Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didimenesis, and this week, while Bill, who usually is the other co-host, of course, is on vacation, uh, we made a call out from the miners. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we brought on a good friend of mine, Anthony Siandra, to step in as guest co-host this week. Anthony, how are things going for you? Doing pretty good, Chad. How about yourself, bud? I mean... In terms of my overall life, I guess it's all right, but in my <laughs> hockey life, it's a little bit of a mess right now, I guess you could say. Sure. I don't, I mean, I, I'm trying to have a hard time kind of where to start here, so maybe I think I'm not going to start with the Sabres, kind of wait to ease our way in here talking about hockey because I don't want to talk about this hockey team, so maybe we'll talk about different <laughs> hockey for a second here. Sure. I, I'm kind of curious if you overall, I don't know if you got any, any glimpse of the Toronto Islanders thing going on today? Yeah, I do. It's It's on mute right now. So what's your whole what's your whole take? I mean, first of all, did you see that video the Islanders fans did? Yeah, is it's that the dumbest thing I've ever seen? <laughs> like, all right, so, so real quick, I'm not, not I won't take up too much time on this, but I saw someone on Twitter try to compare it to the Drew Breer thing. I'm like, okay, first of all, no, like not the same situation at all. But also, like your team just improved drastically, right? They're on the upswing. They've got the best coach in hockey. Like, do you do you really need all this? Like, is this necessary? So, like, I, you know, I get that, like, you know, you're scorned, and, like, you're upset that he's gone. But, like, I don't know. If he had stayed, you might not have ended up with trots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, right, they yep. might not have made that switch. So, I mean, good trade? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure why they're so salty. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, the video, I think, is embarrassing. That's one thing. But I, I understand. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, your fans are passionate. I understand. Uh I think tossing a jersey at him as leaving the ice maybe is a bit much. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, to each their own. And, I mean, I'll say this. You know, for an Islanders game where most times over the last few years that building is empty, uh, it was a pretty electric atmosphere for the game. It definitely felt like a playoff atmosphere. And they're going to go to the playoffs, which is insanity, thinking about a couple months ago between the Sabres and Islanders. But, unreal. you know, good for them. And, I don't know, I guess we'll kind of see how it turns out for them. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of just curious to get your – Overall feel, it's a big hockey topic these days. You know what I'm saying? 
yeah, my feel is it's dumb, but I mean, hey, you know, do your thing. All the the teams are trying to get an identity now because Carolina did it better than everyone, so now they're all trying to get <laughs> their fan identity. I really don't like don't want to like Carolina, but they're making it pretty hard. I'll say that. Right, that's that's where I'm at too. Like, I just I love the culture on their team right now, but I hate them as a rule. Yeah. Carolina Hurricanes kind of a bunch of jerks. They really are a bunch of jerks, to be honest. I mean, they were <laughs> jerks before this started, so I mean, it just sure. fits now. So, I guess I might as well talk about this hockey team, which is depressing. So we're gonna. I've talked about the deadline here. We're going to touch on Skinner a little bit. We're going to talk about what to watch for now since the playoffs are, for all intents and purposes, gone. Uh, we're going to talk about Rochester call-ups a little bit. Then I'm kind of going to touch on a little bit on some draft stuff at the end. We'll see how far we get into that. But I think definitely where we got to start here, because this is the first podcast since the trade deadline, is to talk about the trade deadline. And, of course, we'll start with the big move. Uh, in a way, maybe even the surprising move. Uh, the acquisition of Brandon Montour in exchange for a 2019 first-round pick, either St. Louis or San Jose, depending on how that condition works out, and Brendan Gooley also going the other way. So, Mr. Siandro, I will let you have the floor first. What's your feel on that trade overall? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I mean, they addressed uh, an obvious area of need on the right side. You know, you had uh, outside of Ristolainen, who, you know, the, obviously the debate rages on as to whether he's, you know, effective enough, but Outside of him, you had almost nothing really on the right side. I mean, Bogosian is a bottom pair guy, whether people want to like that or not. Um, so, yeah, fortifying that side, they had maybe not like a dearth of or, or a, a big um, uh, wealth of talent on the left, but they had more depth on that side for sure. So parting with Gooley, who was kind of the odd man out, so to speak, with uh, Pilot and Dolan uh, coming in this season on the uh, left side. Um, yeah, great deal. I mean, you know, we, we all know, and you, you know better than anybody because you've actually done the research, um, late first round picks don't have a very high propensity to turn out, right, you know, right. how, how people expect. So uh, I think people getting bent out of shape about that part of it is kind of silly, but, um, yeah, overall, I think it's a good, I think it's a decent trade for both teams. Um, I think it accomplishes what they were both, you know, what were the direction they're both going. Um, but for the Sabres specifically, yeah, I love the deal. Yeah. And you got a few points that, you know, it's, you're right. I think both teams end up winning. You know, Anaheim gets mixes up their defense. They get a young left shot defenseman to mix in there. Uh, they get that first round pick to kind of help their rebuild. You know, for the Sabers, but there are three first round picks, and you know it's funny the Blues pick with like a lottery pick, and now it's like it's gonna be like an early twenties pick. It's not that big of a deal because you know, as you said, later in the draft, those picks really aren't as valuable. But especially this year, uh, where it looks like at about fifteen you're going to get a pretty drastic drop-off. So really, I would say between like the 20 to even like 44 range, the way it looks right now, you're kind of getting similar players. So I, I don't. I think for that purpose alone, I, I think you're fine. Uh, I think it's okay to move that pick out. And I think it's right on bottle maybe to kind of understand how this draft looks at this point, maybe understand that to make that move. But I'm on tour itself. You know, it's like he said, it, it's a lot of things that they needed. You know, we've been, you and I and other people, that right and talk about this team have been clamoring for another puck moving defenseman um and they got one and the right side which they definitely needed too so you know we saw a little bit in the philly game you know in that goal that middle stack goal how we kind of that all started on his stick uh with that breakout and that zone exit to start to play up the ice you know that that's the kind of thing you're going to see from him and but at the same time we're also going to see things like you know that fourth goal uh, or the fifth goal maybe, maybe the fourth goal where you know he kind of got caught deep in deep on a rush and that, that's going to happen you know it's He's the way I've kind of talked about him is that keeps sticking in my head is he's 
I, I guess instead of saying exact clone of Ristolainen, he's like him. They're both very similar players. Uh, they both have the struggles defensively. They both can move. Um, you know, Montour is not as big as Ristolainen, so he's not as physical. But the one thing that sets them apart drastically, I think, is Montour's ability to move the puck and enter the offensive zone with with control and with possession. So while they're similar players, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say, I'm not gonna, I've only watched Montour one game in the Sabres jersey, I'm not going to say he's better than Ristolainen, but I, I think, you know, maybe we'll kind of shift the conversation here shortly, but in a way, f- for me, it kind of looks like maybe that's his Ristolainen's replacement and then maybe in the offseason they go look to move Ristolainen. I mean, we'll get to that in a second here, but overall, you know, I, I think it's a good fit. It adds speed, it adds scoring threat, uh, and it adds the ability to move the puck up the ice quicker in transition, which is what this team needs for a team that doesn't shoot the puck particularly well. They kind of need to create offense on transition and uh, score with numbers. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the move. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, basically everything you said. I mean, he there are definitely comparables uh, to Ristolainen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously not as much physicality, like you said. Um, one of the things you mentioned was uh, his ability to transition and, and uh, his you know ability to exit the zone. What I found very interesting in comparison to other defenders around the league, his zone entry ability is actually quite good as well. And I think that's a place where the Sabres have struggled mightily this season. Um so at even strength, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how he kind of helps that, you know, transition that maybe hasn't been there. One of the things that has frustratingly kind of translated over from the Bilesma regime is the tendency, you know, trying to make an outlet pass out of the zone to go from blue line to blue line where, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not attacking yeah. the line with speed. They're trying to jam it, you know, jam that pass at the line and then enter. It just... I don't see, you know, your your best teams, your your fastest transition teams, your Nashvilles, your Tampa Bay's. That's not how they do it. And so I'm hoping that this is part of a way to try and like move from that strategy a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, everything you said, uh, you know, uh, he's he's a great addition. And and whenever you get another puck moving defenseman in this day and age, of the NHL, I mean, you're moving in the right direction. Uh, the other move, I guess, we won't spend a lot of time on it, but uh, Nathan Beaulieu to Winnipeg for a, was it a fifth or a sixth? I don't remember, but whatever. Sixth rounder. Sixth round pick. I mean, it's whatever, but, you know, good for Nate. Getting the opportunity to go somewhere else and play. And, you know, how about going from playing with Matt Hunwick or eating popcorn to going to the Jets' top line and playing with Jake Truba? That's a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, that's a, little bit of a transition there in itself. Yeah, I mean, the, the frustrating part is, you know, every all, eyeball tested metrics kind of all you know went hand in hand on this one he should have been playing more this year and the fact that he wasn't you know obviously reduced the return you got maybe not by much i mean he was never going to get more than you know a third or fourth right that was probably his ceiling of return but but it's still a little irritating right Uh, it was irritating that they didn't find a way to use him i don't know what their issue was with him uh he, he was playing fine he was playing you know way better than he was last year um but yeah, good for him. He'll get an opportunity. Uh, they've got some injuries right now, and I'm gonna guess he'll he'll go back into a you know healthy scratch role once uh, those guys come back. But um, yeah, cool. I, I I hope he does well. You know, I I enjoyed him for what he was while he was here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's like I said, you know, good for him, and hopefully he succeeds. And now he gets that opportunity going into a contract here. So we'll kind of see how that turns off for him in Winnipeg. Uh, he'll get some playoff experience too if he plays. So that's you know, it's always good to have. Um. Anything else in the deadline? Is there a specific trade? Like 
in the entire league, specific trade or a team you like to be thought of a good day? Maybe it's maybe here's a question for you. What do you think about what Columbus is doing? Oh, it, it's interesting, right? Because you're talking about a franchise that's never won a playoff series. And I get what they're trying to do, right? This is their last year where they're going to have, you know, Panarin and Bobrovsky. They're, they're trying to make a push. But right. the way the East is right now and the juggernaut of Tampa Bay kind of looming, I think sacrificing what they're sacrificing. Like, the entire 2019 they, draft, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I think that's really short sighted and kind of weird. I mean. I think knowing that you're going to lose Bobrovsky and Panarin, like I know your fan support isn't super high in Columbus. Like it's, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Right. I know you're trying to kind of catalyze support right now, especially like I said, for a team that hasn't had any postseason success to speak of. Um, I just think the timing of it kind of sucks for them. Um, you know, most teams, I think a logical GM would maybe be looking at, okay, we need to rebuild now. You know, we're a fringe playoff team as it is. Uh, we'll, we'll probably squeak in now, you know, that we made these moves. But knowing you're going to lose Panarin and Bobrovsky, your two, arguably, your two best players, you would think you'd want to get some kind of asset in return and, and maybe make a full-fledged effort at a rebuild. But what they're doing now is, okay, we're going to get a little bit of success this year, or at least try, uh, but we're sacrificing potentially years, you know, moving forward to do it. So I, I don't support it. I don't like, I don't, if I was a fan of the Blue Jackets, I wouldn't be really stoked on it. But hey, I get, I guess I get the logic sort of. I get, get what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I respect what they do or what they're doing. Um, I understand it. But at the end of the day, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I, I think it's a, uh, it's risky. It certainly is. I mean, weren't they even not even in a playoff spot entering play today? Right. If I'm not mistaken, so it's it's risky. But then you're going to go through. I mean, for not a wild card team, you're you're going to go through the Metro, which it's not that strong this year. But you still have to go through Washington or Pittsburgh. I mean, even with the additions of Duchesne to Zingle, I mean, are they a better team than Pittsburgh come playoff time? I don't know about that. You know, and it's, probably not. Right, and you're you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. And even even if they end up, I don't know, say Pittsburgh's a wild card team and they play Carolina, are they better than Carolina? I'm not even sure they're better than Carolina, right. to be honest. You know, it, so it's, I, I don't know. It, it's, I, again, I get it. I understand. I just, you know, it's it's hard. It, it's tough to, you're going to make, you're going to attempt to make a run. Um, if you don't win a round, I think it's an epic failure. Now, if you get Duchesne there and he likes it and maybe he signs, I guess that's, and maybe even Dezingle too, maybe they both resign because they like Columbus. Maybe that's, at the end of the day, that turns out to be a positive for you then. Maybe in that direction, but if they both walk then and you lose in the first round and then Panarin and Bobrovsky walk, I mean, you're, what, you're Pierre, Luke Dubois, and Seth Jones, and Zach Kerensky. I mean, that, that's it. Boone that's all Jenner. you got. Yeah, I mean, that's all you got. That's it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it almost feels even if if Duchesne and Zingle stay right, it it almost feels like they're kind of doing the band aid thing that the Sabers were doing from like 2010 right, to right. 2013, right? Where they they were just trying to stay afloat and like be a contender. But yeah, I, I think they've kind of crippled themselves a little bit from building into a top tier team. Like you said, I mean, uh, outside of Seth Jones and, and and a couple other guys, there, there's not much depth to speak of. You know what I mean? They don't have a lot at the top either. I, I don't know. Um, 
good luck. I mean, if, if they miraculously do find a way to get to the Eastern Conference final, Tampa Bay is going to slap the shit out of them. So, like, guys, <laughs> you know, like, cool. I don't know. Is that worth it? Maybe. I mean, if I make it to an Eastern Conference final, I would I would declare it worth it. Yeah, uh, I guess for a budget team, for for you know a, a self imposed cap team, maybe I, I don't know. So one deal I do want to talk about, since I'm in transition into our next topic here, is the Mark Stone trade. Yes. So he goes from Ottawa to Vegas for Eric Branstrom, who is a really good defense player. I want to say that, I want to say this right now. On paper, that you're like Eric Branch, some Lindbergh, and a second what for Mark Stone? Yeah. Just hold on a minute. Eric Branchum might be the best defense prospect not in the NHL. He is really good, really good. So I, I just want to put that out there. So I think that's a good gift for Ottawa. I mean, he, I'm not going to say he's going to beat Eric Carlson, but he, you know, put him with Thomas Shabbat, and that's a real nice top pair you have there for the future. So I think that's good on that for Ottawa. Beyond that, you know, with that trade came an extension, which I think is disappointing. For a lot of hockey fans, you know, I mean, I don't know if the Sabres would really be in to like try to get him on free agency with Jeff Skinner, but with that came an eight-year, nine point five million dollar extension that can't be official until March first, according to reports. But uh, yeah, what's I guess the way I'll pose it to you: what's your kind of overall feel on that trade, and two, what's your overall feel on that contract? Because we're gonna jump in here to Jeff Skinner right after that. Yeah, um, like you said, I mean, I, I think Pierre Dorian did a pretty decent job all things considered i mean getting Branstrom is is pretty huge uh i agree that he is one of if not the best uh defensive prospect not currently playing in the nhl um yeah i mean i, I was if i was a fan of Ottawa, i'd be pleasantly surprised i guess because you know their their uh track record you could just kind of dream up that nightmare scenario where they trade him for you know magic beans so the fact that they got something tangible they're definitely a rebuilding team without question right so so adding a guy who uh, he might take the sting away of not having your first round pick this year at least to a small extent right 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 um so yeah no de- decent get for them um mark stone is one of and and you actually you know at the beginning of the year kind of your um coverage of him has turned me into a, a bigger fan and made me look at him a little closer He's phenomenal. I mean, he he's such a fantastic uh, at both ends of the ice too. At both yeah. ends of the ice, that's the thing. It, it's it's hard to find that complete of a winger in the NHL right now uh, who who you know provides what he does at both ends of the ice. Um, yeah, fantastic job. I mean, when you're getting Mark Stone, it's hard to lose that trade. You know what I mean for for Vegas. Um, the extension they signed him to is probably what about what you'd expect. You know what I mean for him. Um, so yeah, no, I I think for it. Given the circumstances in context, uh, both teams got what they wanted and, and did a good job, I thought. I guess we'll transition to the Skinner part here now. It's, you know, when I initially heard, you know, it's going to be eight years around $9 million, I'm like, oh, good, because that means Skinner is going to come in somewhere with eight in front of it. Right. And then when I heard $9.5 million, I'm like, eee, like that, you know, that kind of maybe gets Skinner in the high eights to maybe like $9 million. Mm. The thing that's interesting is <laughs> there's, this tax thing which always seems to come up which how tampa bay signs everybody cheap and you know florida can do it and right you know vegas is another no tax state where you know if you look at it this i think this this nine and a half million would equate to 13 million i think it was yeah in ottawa which is crazy and right. we all know how great you know new york state's taxes are so you know that's not necessarily working in the savers advantage so i mean this doesn't mean that skinner isn't gonna love a million dollars but at the same time, I think that kind of comes into play here a little bit. 
So at the end of the day, you know, I was more hoping for something between eight, eight and a half. I think now we're set the separate reality here. This is going to be, I would say, between eight and a half, nine. I, I would honestly be surprised. I don't know about you, but I'd honestly be surprised if it comes at under eight and a half million. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I've kind of been there uh, for a little while now. I, I've kind of resigned myself to the thought that it's it's going to be above eight. I think everyone had that you know that magic number eight in their mind, you know, uh, from maybe the middle point of the season. But I felt for a while now it was going to be above that. Uh, you're right. The stone extension um, certainly fortifies that thought. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if it was anything less than eight and a half. Shocked, really, and. Um, would not be surprised to see it hit nine, but um, that's what you pay for a guy who's you know top two, top three in the league in goals. I mean, that's that's just what it is uh, in today's NHL. Uh, the good thing is the cap continues to go up, and and you know as that deal kind of matures, if should they make it, which I'm sure they will, um, it, he'll he'll obviously um, take up a smaller percentage of the overall cap as that moves on. So. Um, yeah, that's the reality of it. Like you said, uh, it's probably going to be right in that range you mentioned. And um, I, I still think it's worth it. But yeah, a little disappointing. You'd have liked to see it come in a little lower because Mark Stone is pretty undebatably a, a more complete and, and I would say valuable player than Jeff Skinner, but not to so much of an extent where, you know, I mean, you'd see such a huge disparity uh, in their, you know, yearly income. Right. Do you think so? I guess the way I, I kind of because I'm in the. I, I gotta be careful. He's not worried here. I'm not in the avenue of pay him whatever he wants, and let's you just gotta get it done. But right. at the same time, you kind of do have to do that, though. I mean, I mean, can you imagine this team losing Skinner? I mean, there's already enough holes here. Can you imagine losing Skinner and then like having that hole to fill too? So now you got to find another left winger to play with Eichel when you already have one, and you need another left winger besides Skinner. And probably a right winger and defenseman and so on and so forth in the bottom six, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I think it's tough to, you know, we've talked about whenever we talked about Skinner is he really does hold all the power here. You know, it, it's kind of his world and the Sabres are kind of just living in it type deal. And, you know, it, it's the number is going to be high. And I think just it, you got to accept it and it is what it is. But at the same time, as I wrote about, you know, in the article I did today is I don't think there's a need to worry about his production dropping off. So basically what I'm saying here is, is he is he a nine million dollar player? Probably not, but I don't think you're going to run into a Matt Molson or a Kyle Oposo situation one or two years into this contract. You know, his expected goals rates are always high. He scores from an area where, you know, when you go to that area, you score goals. He doesn't necessarily need to be goaltender with his shot. He goes in close, in tight. He finishes on rebounds. He finishes in on tight, on tight, on moves. So it's. You know, I don't think there's really needs to be a worry about that, not to mention his unbelievable skating ability. So I don't see the speed of the game in any way, shape, or form passing him by. So it's it's probably going to sting a little bit when you initially see it because, you know, I, again, I think it's going to come in the area, if I'm going to guess right now, maybe 8 for 8.75 kind of deal, something like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, so it might be shock when you see it, but... You know, I mean, you you can't let this guy go. You know, he fits. He's only 26 years old. I think he's an old player either. You're going to get at least four to five, maybe even six more good years out of that eight-year contract. So you got to bite the bullet. You got to give him the eight years. You got to give him the market value. And then you just go to battle. You got Jack Eichel's left winger who you've been looking for for four years. You got him. 
and then you worry about fixing other parts of your team. So I, I think it's while some people have reservations about that number, I don't think you really have a choice because. I mean, what do you? I mean, who, who are you going to go out and get to replace him? Really? I mean, it's well. I mean, you can go make another trade, but I don't think another Jeff Skinner is going to be out there. You obviously can't chase Mark Stone now as a free agent to replace him. So there's really no other player in free agency. That free agent crop here is dropping worse and worse and worse. Going to look like a pretty good one. I mean, Artemi Panarin's not coming here, so that's not a reality. So it's. I think you got to do it. Um, you know, the money is going to be a lot, but at the end of the day, I, I really think it's going to be worth it. Yeah, like you said, the Sabres at this point kind of don't have a choice. I mean, what was a, a little unique, I think, about the situation with Skinner and, and maybe not given, you know, where the Sabres are as a franchise, but the fact that, I mean, no one expected him to be, you know, part of a trade deadline move, but as an, as an upcoming UFA, right, like not a mention, like nothing, like you got no indication that they ever were considering dealing him. You know what I'm saying? So like you said, he holds all the cards, which, which is, by the way, I'm in support of, I never wanted to shop Jeff Skinner. Like, that's not what I'm getting at, but he does hold all the cards where you can't let him walk for nothing. Cause if you do, everyone will say like, well, if you weren't going to get a deal done, you should have traded him and got something right. So now you, you kind of have to, and, and that actually helps my confidence level that they're closer on a deal than, than maybe some people think, because I think, I think they were close enough or, or had something in principle close enough where, Jason Bowder was like, I'm not dealing this guy. Like, I, I, I know what we're going to end up agreeing upon. And also, you know, the, the factor of after the deadline, he, you know, that eighth year becomes a thing. So uh, we've got that advantage, too. But but yeah, you're going to have to pay Jeff Skinner. I mean, there and you might have to pay him a little more than market value, because like you said, he's very much in control of the situation right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's really the focus right now. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, deadlines pass. Playoffs are pretty much gone. You're eight points out entering play today. I mean, really, for the next month and a half, I'm hoping it doesn't get past the season. If it gets past at the end of the season, I might start to get a little worried. Yeah, um, I'll start sweating. Yeah, so, but, uh, I mean, I guess for the next month and a half to all the way through the end of June, uh, and that's going to be the initial, that's going to be the focus here, right? Is just getting that deal done. I think he's going to wait, Botterill, that is, until uh, Housley puts Sabotka on the first line, so that way he can take <laughs> some attention away from that by extending Jeff Skinner on that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, he was on Facebook today, or that interview did in, Chuck, in the Czech Republic, <laughs> saying he needs, you know, he needs more ice time, man. Get get Vlad Sabotka more ice time and more offensive zone starts. I mean, but really, I mean, not to get too into it, but to be seriously, I mean, if you saw the interview I, like I said on Twitter, I, I kind of agree with his defensive zone starts. I think it's excessive and a bit ridiculous, and he's never done that his entire career. While he's not a good hockey player, I think Housley's overusage of him, surprise, surprise, Housley doesn't want to use somebody, uh, is incorrect, and I think is making him worse than he actually is, but that's just my my two cents on it. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that's all accurate. Him, him clamoring for more ice time was borderline hilarious to me, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when when you sent me that today, I, I, I know we were, we were talking over Skype, but if you could have seen my face, I was just like squinting, like just making sure I was reading that <laughs> translation right. Like, I'm sorry, he wants more ice time. Yeah. But yeah, no. But like you said about his uh, usage, I mean, we we've come to learn that Phil Housley has no concept of usage. I mean, he he continuously goes back to the safety valve of Eichel, Reinhardt, and Skinner on the same line, oh, even though it God. completely sacrifices his depth scoring. He goes back to the safety valve of the scandella Ristolainen combo from time to time, which, how, when have we seen enough of that? At what yeah. point has it, have we seen, you know, so his inability to kind of, uh, I guess, learn from the what the data is telling him, or if he even 
acknowledges it at all is is very much in question. I mean, it's not even the data. It's it's the. Re- <laughs> I mean, we heard this guy say too. He's a results guy, right? I mean, I I, I yeah. tweeted out today the last five games that you've had Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt on your on one line, you've lost every single game, and I don't think you've scored more than two goals in a game, and you're getting killed by like three or four goals a game you're losing by. So like, it's not. It, hello, it's not working. Like, stop right. doing it. Stop going back to it. But you're right. It's a crutch. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, in the it's line. a weird crutch, though. It's a crutch that's hurt, like so obviously hurting him from the most basic statistical we- like wins and losses. Like the easiest thing for someone to understand. It's hurting, and and why it's his continuous parachute. You know, when things are going poorly, it, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, he tried Rodriguez in that first line for a minute and seven seconds, I think is what natural statistics said. Yes. A minute and seven seconds, and you decided in a minute and seven seconds of five on five, this isn't working. I got to go back. Like, what? Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Housley here because we've talked about him a lot, and it's, it keeps getting worse. I mean, that there's the pilot usage, he doesn't know how to use him, and then there's Bullyu, and then there's the Hunrick stuff, and... And it goes on and on. And Thompson, I mean, his while he's welcome to Buffalo, Brandon Montour, right, here's, right. Here's Scandella, here's Scandella, and, and here's Matt Hunrit. Like, oh, dude, like, I mean, I, I gave him a pass. <laughs> I gave him a pass on the opening game because I'm like, all right, you're gonna ease him in, you know, play him in a sheltered minutes role with Scandella. Fine, I get it. But I mean, if he's playing with Hunrit Scandella against Pittsburgh and Toronto over the weekend, forget it. I mean, it's. Whatever, I'm gonna get more frustrated talking about it. It's just this guy. <laughs> I, I'm at the point now where really, like, I, I want to see guys develop. I want to see guys seem to do well. I want to see Middleset do well. I want to see Montour do well. But I honestly hope they lose every single game. And it's not because like I want like a better spot in the draft lottery. It's not that at all. Right. It's I need them to lose a lot so the general manager changes mind of the coach. Like I need that to happen. Like yeah. I can't. I'm just. I'm not comfortable going into next season. With this guy as the coach, I know what's going to be happening in 25 games. They're going to be like, oh, God, he's got to go. I'm like, well, I could have told you that last April, and we could have not been doing this. But I'm just so afraid one, for that part. One quick come. thing I want to ask you on this, because I, I read it on uh, Twitter, and not that I agree with it, but it, it it was something to chew on, I guess. Do you feel that the acquisition of Montour in a in a small way was almost a vote of confidence or, or a way of kind of fortifying Housley's future, so to speak, to acquire a defenseman that I guess on paper kind of fits his quote unquote system, which I'm not sure really exists, but from what we've been told his system is. Um, it, it, I think it was Jeremy White who said it, and it, it, it made me think about like, hmm, like maybe a little. Like it, it does kind of feel that way that he's he's trying to equip him with guys, you know, to to better suit what he's maybe trying to do. And I don't know if a twenty game or nineteen game sample size is going to be enough for Botterill to say, well, that didn't work. We should probably let him go. I just have this horrible, like, creeping feeling of dread that no matter what happens here, barring a cataclysmic meltdown of like finishing the year three and sixteen, that he's back. Here's the kind of the way. It- I, I agree. I think about Jeremy said that. I, to an extent, I agree. But here's the flip side of the coin that I think I'm thinking about too, which I've also talked about before, is, you know, with what some of the moves Bottle is doing, maybe with the call-ups and continually seeing them end up in the press box, I wonder if Bottle is trying to do things and, in a way, letting Housley, you know, for lack of better words, um, hang himself with his own rope here. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he gave him guy. He called up guys from Rochester. They sat. He sent them back. 
Uh, he gave him pilot. He didn't want to use him. He sat and he sent him back. Uh, now he's going to give him Brandon Montour. He goes, okay, here you go. You want to play this fast, up pace puck moving? Here you go. He's one of the best guys in the league at it. Okay, let's see how you use him. And if I think if he can't get results on a Montour, if he can't use him properly, doesn't know how to doesn't know how to deploy him or utilize him. Again, I think those are all checks that go against Housley. That, like I said, you know, he's I, I think possibly. I mean, I'm not bothered. I don't know what he's thinking, but possibly, you know, another angle you can look at it is he's giving him the rope to hang himself with. And if you know, that's that's why maybe he made that trade now. So he wants to see how Housley can utilize this player. Because if he makes that deal in the summer, then it's a different situation. He doesn't get a look at with Housley. Where now, if he can kind of get a small window look at it and see if he can figure out how to use utilize this player, and if he can't, as a defensive specialist and a you know guy who says this whole style thing, you know that he does, it's you know it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how that happens. And you know they're going to continue to lose games here if they're going to fall way out of it. I mean, let's let's be real here. I mean, this team. Outside of that ten game winning streak, how I hate I hate to say that because it, it happened. You can't just take ten games out, but right. to focus on it, they're a sixty six point pace team since the winning streak over the thirty eight games since it, they're a sixty three point pace team. I mean that's just nearly not good enough. I went into this season right. saying that I need a minimum of eighty two points. If they play the West the if they play the same pace they had since the winning streak, they're they're just gonna hit eighty. So in my opinion, that's not good enough. The season is over now, basically. I mean, if you want to look at it, I guess your last swinging, dying breath at a hope is against Pittsburgh on Friday. If we're going to lose that game, we're going on 10 points. I mean, forget it. Then you're but you're, you're yeah. basically almost officially finished. And, I mean, and then, then we're going to be sitting here in March and going, I mean, I guess that's the next topic I hate here is, all right, now what? These games don't mean anything. These, these games for March and two weeks of April are pointless. We're going to sit here and go through the motions and what? Hope that Tate Thompson stops trying to toe drag people and <laughs> Middlestat is effective and Darlene and Montour and like it, it's development, right? I mean, that's and yeah. we've watched that movie so many times that it's just it's eye rolling. And you know, I mean, I guess it's the good part is at least they were in it past Thanksgiving this year, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's still you're going to write off about you know 15 to, to almost 20 games that are just meaningless in this season, and that's. In my opinion, it's just straight not good enough. And, you know, I mean, that that's kind of where I come down on, on the coach in general, where there's – you can say those 10 games. I mean, <laughs> I mean, imagine if, if, you know, they didn't win those 10 games, where they would be right now. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you could sprinkle in 10 wins, I guess, in other areas of the season, you'd kind of get the same result. But even if they end up with 80 points, in my opinion, it's just – it's not good enough. I, I need it better this season. And to say, well, they improved from 80 to 62, well – it's not that impressive to improve. I mean, yeah, I agree you proved on where you were last year, but that team last year drastically underperformed. You know, that was yes. not a 62 point team last year, but that's yes. what they were. So, I mean, it's, you know, and, and if you want to look back even further, go back to the Bilesman. You were in Bilesman left. What they have? 78 points. So, in two years, you were able, with a better roster, no doubt a better roster, you were only able to manage to earn two more points than what Bilesman had with a far worse roster. I'm saying this right now. If you give Dan Bilesma, as much as he struggled and had his efficiencies, if you give Dan Bilesma this team, I think they're a low 90s team with Dan Bilesma. And I'm say Bilesma's mistakes, understand them all. I think Bilesma, and I hated him at the time near the end uh, with what he wanted to do. And the main thing was he liked that stretch pass offense, which is what 
uh, Toronto utilized against the Sabres and were successful against it. But he didn't have the defenseman to do that. Now give him Darlene, give him Montu, or give him Lawrence Pilot, and maybe that stretch pass offense is a little bit different. You know, give him Jeff Skinner too. So it's, right. you know, I, I think Bilesma got more out of less, where Housley is getting less out of more. So it's, it, there's really in two years, you know, there, there's a minimal improvement from last year, and there's basically no improvement from the last staff that was here in, in terms of point total. The roster itself is better, but in terms of where you are in the standings, there's really no improvement. Yeah, you, you literally just like spelled out how I was going to reply to this. Everybody wants to hang their hat on. Yeah, but look at how, much, how many more points they had this year. That's progress. Okay, maybe, but in a vacuum, yeah, all right, fine. But, look, but like you just said, it's only progress because he underperformed last year. It's not progress because they blew the damn thing up. And this, and everyone says you can't change coaches every two years. You know, you got to develop. You got to be patient. No, he he's he uh, he adopted. He he, you know, I mean, he took in an already existing rebuild. It didn't get blown up. He ha- he has a better roster now, and he did like you said. He did less with more. So saying there's an improvement, yeah, there's an improvement from a horrible, horrible, drastic underperformance. And now two years later, he's only getting to where Bilesma was at at around 78, 80 points, right, with a worse roster, or with a better roster rather. I beg your pardon. So. Yeah, if you want to hang your hat on progress, great. And and you're going to get people who argue, well, hang on a minute, because how, how you know maybe this wasn't a better roster because you still got Eichel, you still have Reinhardt. It's like, yeah, okay, guys, but did you want a 19 year old Jack Eichel or a 22 year old one who's coming into his stride? Right, right. Like it's not the same player. And it's a 23 year old Sam Reinhardt. Exactly. Right. right. The same deal. Right. It's not the same roster just because it has a lot of similar names at the top. Those are guys who were in the infancy of their careers. You know what I mean? They they've clearly gotten better just by getting older and more experienced alone so you you can't just do it on a name basis it's undebatable right now that he has a vastly better roster than dan bilesman had and just because he completely crapped the bed last year doesn't give him a free pass where now an 18 point or 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 less which it looks like it's going to be less improvement is somehow acceptable it's not yeah i mean they're on track i mean they just got passed by Philadelphia. They have, I think, Florida nipping at their heels. The Rangers are not far behind them. I mean, there's a scenario here where they can fall again, be a a bottom 10 team. I mean, it's... What? I mean, think about right. it. I mean, if Housley... If you go back to the Housley and Botterill press conference and sat there and they told you, just forget everything you knew about what happened here. Just forget everything. And someone told you at that press conference in two years... This staff with this general manager and this coach are going to be a bottom ten team in two years. Oh, and I guarantee by the way, we win the lottery, and right? We and and, and, and yeah. we get one of the best defensive prospects to come out in like the last fifteen years. Yeah, you get him too. And I mean, people would lose their minds. I mean, they're like, "Whoa, hold on a minute. Let, let's let's try to mix this up." Then here, like, it's it's just you have to take. I understand, like, you know. It, life happens, and it, it, whatever happened the last two seasons happened, and you have to take that into account, and that that's you can't just push it aside and neglect it. But it's I, I don't know. I, I don't. I've said it numerous times. Is I have the fear that we're going to be Philadelphia or St. Louis next year, and not exactly. necessarily in a good way. But you're going to St. Louis sh- without Bennington, <laughs> right? Exactly, and Philadelphia without Carter Hart 
or you know whatever you know it, it's they're gonna if <laughs> you're gonna dig yourself a hole early when next season has to be a playoff season for both the general manager and the coach 100%. so you're going to just fall behind here you're you're gonna i mean if, if the struggles again out the gate you're gonna wait 20 games you're gonna be in a 20 game hole with 62 games to go and it's it's then you have to bring other coach in here it's probably going to be Chris Taylor because you're not going to bring somebody in from the outside. So then again, Chris Taylor's going to come up here and get to get his thing in. And then, by the way, by the time he gets his stuff in, you're at like 35 games. And it's just – then you have to go on a monstrous streak like St. Louis and Philly who won like eight games and St. Louis won like 11 in a row. In order to get back in, you got to do that type of thing. And it's just – it it just it, – it paints the picture of a situation that can be a nightmare. And it's – you know, one of the reasons I think that Tim Murray, you know, ended up losing his job is I, I think he held on to Bilesman too long. You know, I, I think there is a situation where if he would have made a move sooner, maybe he would have kept his job for more. Maybe not. You know, there's all the behind-the-scenes stuff and all that. So maybe not. But, you know, I, I don't want to see Bottle make that same mistake where I, I think if he allows Halsey to come back and be the coach again next season – then he hitches his fate to Halsey for better or for worse. If yeah. you're going to bring him back as your coach, again, for a third year, if he fails, you fail too. I mean, that goes, that goes with you. I mean, that just that's the way it is. Where I think it might be better if he goes to Bagul and say, you know what, we're two years in. This guy isn't working for me. Let me get another coach in here. Let's do it now instead of waiting 20 games in the next season. And I think that can buy Bottle some more time, too, if there maybe are some struggles out of the gate next season. So there's a lot of pandering here and a lot of back and forth, but it's there's just I, I'm just I'm going to have concerns. And from the moment, moment Bottle said that there's not going to be a coaching change, I don't know, that's in my panic. I guess I started to set in because I, I think that could really turn out to be a backfire for them. Can I tell you my Bottle evil genius theory? Go ahead. <laughs> I know we don't want to spend way too much time on this topic, but... So in December, when it, everyone was kind of getting a little critical of Botterill for not making a move, right? Like, why isn't he doing something? We need to fortify this. You know, we're slipping, we're slipping, we're slipping. Oh, my God. You know, he was complicit, right? He, he, was, he, he was remiss in his duties as general manager to allow this to happen. This is not a real theory. This is just something I hope is true. That's maybe not. <laughs> um, what if Jason Botterill amid the 10-game streak, was so entrenched in the analytics and realized that that streak was an ab- apparition, right? Or an aberration. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a ghost. It was it was an aberration um, that he was inactive because he wanted Housley to eventually fail. Because if he squeaks into the playoffs, right, makes enough move, gives him enough talent to squeak into the playoffs, you can't fire him then. And if he saw his deficiencies early on and realized during that streak that we're actually not as good as you know, our record says we are. I, you know, I, I'd be. Uh, it would be a mistake for me to set this roster up to squeak into the playoffs when I know that this isn't sustainable long term, and I can see how these deficiencies now. It's a crazy. It's a crazy thought, <laughs> but it's bananas. I know that, but I hope he's that intelligent and that much of a mastermind, or that's the reason. Because if not, if that's not the case, and he really does believe in Phil Housley, then he waited way too long to fortify this roster, and he yeah, needs to yeah. f- share his part of the blame in that. Like, if you're bought in on a guy, and you don't make a move when your team is plummeting, like, that's a problem. No, I agree with you. It's it, it's a quirky thing theory you have there but i, I do agree yeah, with i wouldn't you, even call it extent. a theory it's it, it's a tinfoil hat uh 
yeah, I, I don't even know. I don't, I'm not sure what to classify it as. Um, it's fan fiction. Yeah, but, I, I yeah. guess that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> that's a way to it. It's actually perfect. So, I guess trying to move away from the coach and the gem here because I see, see what you did. You, get, you, you bring up the coach, and I immediately get like heated. So you like it's like my my touch point. Like if you just say Housley, like I'm like what, who said Housley, and like I get like <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the way like I am. But moving beyond that, you know, with this season kind of being, I mean, it's like gone pretty much. What I mean. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about to ask you about you know are there any guys from Montrose you want to get a look at but I mean we have a coach here who these guys come up they play one game and they sit in the press box you know we've had that with CJ Smith now Danny O'Regan I mean uh, I mean is O'Regan just doing donuts right now on the ninety just like waiting to turn <laughs> the other way <laughs> he played yesterday for Rochester I know, so I he know. was down there but still I hear your point like it's I, I didn't under I mean I don't understand. why did you call him back up for that game I mean you had an extra forward what was the need you know what I mean like yeah. Just it, it was so weird how it all happened too. Like because like you had the Sun players down before the deadline, so they did that, but they didn't call them back up. And the next day they do, and then don't play them in Philly, and then send them back the next day. Like what? Why? I mean, because did you not want to pay for them to fly back from Philadelphia? Like is that? I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, that's bizarre, but whatever. And they've done worse things this season, but it's uh, you know, I thought O'Regan played good the one game he played. It was nice to see a different style of player in there. Um. Who knows if we get to see him again? I mean, he's a group six free agent when the season ends, so that might be the last look of Daniel Regan we get in the NHL. Who knows? But, I mean, there, I mean, there's some guys down there, you know, that I'd like to get a look at for more than four games at the end of the season. Uh, I, I think at the top of the list is Victor Olofsson. You know, he continues to play well in the second half of the season in Rochester. Um, the, the thing I've always said is, you know, for a team that's making a playoff push down there, um, if I'm going to get a look at these guys, I, I kind of rather get a look at them maybe now for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and then send them back down for that playoff in Rochester instead of pulling them up near the end, um, you know, near the end of the, that push, that stretch, pulling them up, getting the NHL, and sending them back in for the playoffs. You know, maybe it's – I mean, it can work both ways too because maybe you need them now in Rochester to kind of solidify that spot where at the end of the season maybe you have that spot wrapped up and it's kind of like if you lose them, it's not a big deal. So it's there's a game to be played there. But certainly, I mean, I, I would like to get a look at Olsen. Um I've wanted to look at him for a while now. I think his shot could help on the power play. Uh, I think he can add some scoring to this roster that still desperately needs it. And I think he can fit a role, you know, as a left winger, maybe, you know, with middle stat or maybe even like on the third line that doesn't include Vladimir Saboka, uh, which is unfortunate that every player who comes up has played Vlad Saboka. You know, I've seen it with Smith right. and, then, and then O'Regan. Um, you know, if you come up here, you, you get to play Vlad Saboka. That, that's your that's your reward. But, um that's your penance for going. To the <laughs> yeah, <club>. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your punishment slash reward for coming to the NHL. But it's, yeah, I, I mean, you know, we know what Pilot is. He should be here anyways. I don't know if I want to see him. Say I want to see him again, but he should be here. Um, you know, maybe like a defensive one. I'd want to get a look at his Borgen, but with how many defensemen they have here, I doubt that's likely yeah. or possible. I mean, they won't even play Casey Nelson for God's sake. So I don't think I'm going to get a look at Will Borgen. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. As the days go here, I'm. You know, I'm already down on Nylander, but I'm getting more and more down on him as the time yeah. passes here. So I don't really – I guess you can bring him up to get another look at it, but in my opinion, it's getting close. My mind's already made up on him that in the summer if somebody wants him, that I'm going to do that. But um, I think the guy for me, if I want to look at somebody for sure, um, is definitely going to be Olsen. I mean, Asplund is 
I don't know. I mean, does any NHL time help him this year? Probably yeah. not. So I, I think if anybody want to get if anybody want to get extended look at one, I think CJ Smith should be back up here for the rest of the season and not playing with uh, Saboka because I I really need to know on Smith what I have. He's going to be an RFA. He's twenty four years old. I, I got to know what I have here. Like <laughs> he came up, he scored two goals in eleven games, and he did some good things. But again, he was put with Saboka and played seven minutes and. Never really saw a lot beyond that. So it's, I think Smith deserves an extended. I mean, he should have been here already, but I think he deserves another look. And I think Olafson are kind of the two guys, and maybe even O'Regan too. But I think those two or three guys are kind of the guys I'm. I would like to get a look at, but I mean, we'll see if that actually ends up happening. Yeah, like you just said. I mean, the the key now is knowing what you have. I mean, we're talking about a Sabres team that I mean. I expect in at least some sort of way they're going to overhaul their depth forward ranks, right? So right. wouldn't it make sense to see what you have now, you know what I mean, rather than uh, almost uh, either A, penciling them in, or B, pursuing other options? I, I think now is absolutely the time. Like you said, Rochester's in a playoff push. I mean, if you're going to do it, I think now is the time. You need to know if Victor Olofsson can be an NHL regular, and, and maybe he maybe Botterill thinks he knows that based on only what he's seen in the AHL, but we all know there's an adjustment period. Very few people are Lawrence Pilot, right? You know what I mean? Where they can come right to North America, right, come right, right to yep. the next level, and yep. be that great. So, yeah, I, I think you need to know what you have in a lot of these guys. I mean, O'Regan's a little older. He's, he's 25. Smith is 24, right? They're not, like, quote-unquote prospects, I guess. I don't know. Depends how technical you want to be, but you still need to know if those are guys you can rely on to fill depth roles because they come up and they you know show that they can play the part right which i believe they can uh, yeah that 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 cuts down your workload this offseason it makes your job a little bit easier knowing that those two spots in the bottom six are filled and then olafson you know maybe you don't have to pursue a, another top tier right winger you know what i mean maybe you let him ride shotgun with jack if he's really got that you know lethal of a shot or or you know Leave him. You don't want to put Reinhardt back with Eichel, so you know he'll. I'd like to see him stay on his own line. You know what I mean? Next yeah, year, right, so you need yeah. to find a right winger because it's not going to be Kyle Oposo, right? So, yeah, knowing what you have is, I think, for this team in particular, so critical. And I think to maybe gamble by leaving them there, either a with the assumption that yeah they'll come up next year and they'll be fine, or b we're going to have to pursue other options. I think that's dangerous and, and kind of silly. And if, if that means expensing a little bit of Rochester success right this second just to see, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, I mean, they're gonna have a lot of they have a lot of restricted free agents and they gotta get some look at some guys. And if if, if this is the only looks they're gonna give Smith and O'Regan, I think that's a mistake. And if they're gonna give Olofsson a look at all, I think that's a mistake too. So it's right. So it doesn't really help you to figure out what you kind of need or what you have for next season. You know, if any of these guys can step in and fill a role uh, in your bottom six or exactly maybe even you know like you said Olsen maybe Olsen can be that sniper on Casey's middle stats wing you know just let middle stat make the plays get on the puck and let Olsen finish you know I mean say right. trouble Olsen you know that he's not the best all-run five-on-five guy which he's gotten better at it as the season has gone on for sure oh, yeah. but I mean that guy's got that guy has an elite level NHL shot I mean, I mean you watch the games in the AHL when he scores most times the puck is in the net before the goal even moves. I mean, yeah. that, that's it's, it's impressive. So it's, you know, I think he could be useful to this team. So it's we'll see what happens. It's, um, I don't know. I'm not confident it's going to happen besides him the last week of the season, which will just be an eye roll. But, you know, I guess we'll we'll see here. But uh, you want to 
Do you want to hear some good news to kind of make you feel good? Do you want to hear something sure. cool? Uh, I just checked, and do you want to... Can you see the score of the game right now, the Toronto and Islanders game? Yeah. You can, oh, okay. Well, I guess it won't be a surprise to you, but uh, <laughs> the Islanders are rolling Toronto 6-1 right now, which yep. is, I don't know, I guess you could say kind of karma and good for the Islanders, but uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll see how happy of a team we have when, you know, they have to go to Toronto again on Saturday. But uh, good for the Islanders. You know, I mean, your fans had their moment, and, uh, you know, you're, and then you're steamrolling that team, too. So, I mean, that's, you know, good for Islanders fans. I have a, a quick question on your opinion on something. If Toronto exits the playoffs in the first round again this year, does Mike Babcock come back next year? Oh, I don't know. Uh, man, Kyle Dubas really likes Keith. Uh, yeah. And That's I, why I'm saying no. And I think he's getting a job. Keith is getting a job this summer. Yep. Um, hopefully the Sabres job. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but um, no. I would say no. Unless, unless, you heard about it a little bit last year, the rift between Matthews and Babcock. Remember the whole thing where Babcock mm-hmm. had to go to Arizona to talk to him, and it really yeah. didn't kind of go that well when they talked. If there's something more to it there, maybe. But yeah. Matthews goes to Dubas and says it isn't working, but um I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think so. And mm. part of me also thinks that they beat Boston in the first round, to be honest. Okay. I, I think no, let me say this. Is Dermot and Gardner gonna be healthy for the playoffs? Because they're both gonna be out week to week here. Mm-hmm. So if you're not gonna have Dermot or Gardner, then no, I, I think they might lose that in five games to Boston. Right. But I think once they get in with Tavares and Matthews and Marner and you get Marlowe in there and then Kadri is healthy and, you know, Freddie Anderson, um, as long as he, I think, can be on par with what you get out of Tuka Rask at the other end, I think they have a good chance. You know, Muzzin was a nice pickup. Uh, Dermot, Gardner, Riley, um, you know, I mean, they have at least a decent top four now. So it's, I I don't know, I I think it's a long series um, between those two teams and that's probably what it's, I mean, I think that's what's going to be the matchup at this point. I don't see Montreal catching Boston. I mean, only of those teams are going to catch Tampa Bay. Nobody's catching right. Tampa Bay. I mean, they're like 500 points ahead of everybody else. <laughs> so I, I don't. Th- I think if they're on the first round, I, I don't think they go. I, I, he goes. Mm. I don't. So say he stays, so. right, and, and and we fire Housley. Do you think, and I, maybe I'm, I'm just overthinking this, but do you actually think that Bottero would go with Sheldon Keefe over the guy he brought in in Chris Taylor if he was going to do that route, go go with an AHL coach? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't I don't know. Um, it's hard. It's hard because I like Taylor. I think a lot of things he does in Rochester. Um, you know, he's obviously developed some of those guys who are up here now and who may be up here next season. And he's familiar with this team. So maybe if you make the transition, you can kind of sell Taylor as, well, we're making a change. We're bringing somebody in-house up. So it's really not a big organizational change, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But if you're asking me who I think is a better coach overall, I would say probably Keith, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, I think he's a younger, I mean, not that Taylor is old, but I think he's, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, and the Quenville thing, Quenville, Quenville, and, He's a good coach, don't get me wrong. He has Stanley Cup rings. I'm just not sold on him, I guess, as the coach for this team. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think with a younger Blackhawks team, he struggled to deal with that. And now we're kind of seeing sort of, I guess you could say kind of where that's going with a younger team transitioning. Uh, Patrick Kane is still unbelievable. Uh, they got some really 
good goaltending out of that kid that they've brought up, so that's good for them. But I mean, and Alex DeBrinket is an absolute monster. Uh, I don't want to get into him too much because that'll make me sad. But he's really good. Right. And I mean, Dylan Strom looks like a whole new player now there, so that was a great trade for them. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's between Taylor and Keith, if if I'm Bottero, I would go Keith. But it really it wouldn't surprise me if 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 they move on from Housley if they just keep it in-house and then kind of sell it that way where we're making a change, but we're not really making an organizational change. Yep, we're that's exactly where we're promoting. at. Yep. So we're kind of running late here. I mean, I know we have the draft as last thing on. You're like, I don't know. There's really not a lot to get into yet. It's it's still super early. It's hard. Um, you know, Capo Caco, he's your number two. Jack Hughes is number one. Uh, Paul Coyzen is your number three, basically. And then from there on on, you have a lot of centers. You have a defenseman mixed in there who is interesting. Um, if you want a few players to watch, you know, I kind of like Alex Turcott a lot, uh, U.S. development center. Um, you know, he's pretty interesting around where the Sabres are going to end up picking probably. So the good news is for the Sabres, though, if they're looking for a center in this draft, there's a lot of centers at the, at the top. Um, I like Kirby Dock a lot too, but I don't think they're going to look at him. So... I don't know. If you want a name for me to briefly touch on, I think that was one of the questions we got on Twitter. Um, Alex Turcotte is an interesting player. So if you want to watch some, I don't know, draft eligible players, watch Alex Turcotte, who had a really good game um, for the U.S. national development team recently. Um, I think even yesterday it was. So I don't know. There's a name for you. I don't know if you have any draft thought yourself or how much you looked into it, but there's, I guess, that's the answer to our draft question, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I- it depends where they end up. They're, I mean, obviously going to be a lottery team. Um, if, if they, you know, somehow end up toward the top, like, you know, the top three you mentioned, obviously, and I think that's your one, two, and three. And I'm, I'm pretty happy they're all forwards because I think, you know, another year of drafting six defensemen would be a terrible idea. Especially <laughs> right, the right. top. Yeah. Um, but I, if I'm being realistic and they end up in that, like, 10 to 12 range and, and you know, maybe just miss out on Turcotte, who I think is the best of, you know, that, that group. Um, I actually really don't mind Alexander Newhook. I know he's, he's dropping on some boards here. Um, I, I'm actually a pretty big fan of his. He, he's definitely got a longer lead time uh, to, to be an NHL player. He's, I think he's going to take longer to develop, um, but, but I don't mind him. Um, and if you go even further down, I mean, Kellyev is another guy who's kind of his stock is dropping, and, and yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm not a big fan of his either. Um, but that if kid you're just looking, scores goals, man, that kid just scores goals. Yeah, yeah. But um, if if you're going, you know that that middle portion of the draft, right, where where you're looking like 15th to 19th, that's when like your forward ranks really really stop being anything special. So um yeah that's why i'm I'm hoping that worst case scenario they end up in the 12 range right and are, are in a position where they could take new hook or, or turcotte if if um somehow he he you know drops to that point but yeah um per, you know yeah we'll see it all depends on where they end up um but i think those three guys specifically that that we're mentioning here are, are your your best bet i'm not a big peyton krebs guy um never have been suzuki like a little bit intrigues me but i haven't watched enough of him to, to really make an educated decision um but yeah we'll see um it, it's a little early for me to do the draft thing it's not like uh the last couple of years where i started looking at it in freaking <laughs> october so right, right. Uh, i might i might not be as well versed as as i would have been in years past 
Yeah, I, I think for me, it's Turkos, the interesting one there. You know, it's you know, especially with Botterill and his uh, refusal. I mean, two years now he hasn't picked up a, a junior Canadian junior player, right? So I mean, Correct, there, yeah. there really is. I mean, after you know Hughes and Kako, I mean, there really is and Polkoizen. I mean, that's a KHL player, but beyond that, I mean, it's it's U.S. development players and June and Canadian junior. I mean, yeah. Broberg is in there, but. I mean, they're not drafting a little left shot defenseman, right? So, I mean, Please, that's, no. That's kind of out of it. So, um, I, that's why I kind of, I mean, if I'm thinking about it logically, I think he would go for the U.S. development player. Um, yeah. No, so that's Turcotte. Given his track record, yeah. And you don't have anyone really in the forward ranks from Europe, you know what I mean? Because he's, he's definitely delved into Scandinavia, uh, you know, with, with his Swedish and Finnish picks, especially on defense. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's a great point about his track record. Uh, Turcotte's really the only one. I mean, they have that Trevor, I'm going to butcher his name, so I don't know a lot about him, Zegras kid, um, center, yeah. again, U.S. National Development team, so he's another guy that's up there, going to be in that range, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, this will be an interesting test to see, especially if they get up, I think, in the top 10, uh, if he actually does reach into that Canadian junior ranks, I mean, he said that he doesn't, he prefers I'm not outside the top, outside of the first round, because their lead time isn't. You know, you have to make a decision quicker on them because of the whole way right. it works. So I understand that. But um, I'm curious, on so the first round, will he grab a Canadian junior player when he hasn't took one in two years? So it's it'll be interesting. But I, I think for me personally, I'm going to focus more on those U.S.-born or the U.S. national development players because personally, I kind of think that's where he'll go. I, I agree with you, but I almost hope he's, he's not that stubborn. You know what I mean? Like if there's a guy who... It, you know, is is clearly your best guy on the board, right? And it just right, stubbornness. Right. You don't want to draft out of the OHL, like uh, right. or the WHL, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. oh, come on. I mean, like, I, mean if, you know. I think if he could, if by some unbelievable way they were so bad, they got up to like five or six, and Dylan Cousins is sitting there. I think right. he's going to go Turk out over Cousins. Like that's right, real here. Right. But I, I think if you're going to get into that maybe eight to twelve range. Then maybe if he has a preference and they're kind of similar, then he'll go to that U.S. development player. But sure, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it'll make the draft this year. This will be interesting. We're not going to have to, um, you know, focus on two players basically as it is, or two or three. Um, Man, the last time that happened, we got all bent out of shape about a kid who couldn't do a chin up. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's funny. It's a good point. At least it'll make the combine this year for me interesting. I'll follow a few different players around instead of one or two. So yeah. We'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on? You know, I think we went about an hour here, so there's really not much more left for me. Yeah, I think we've gone on enough tangents. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we figured it out. All right, so that's my little spiel here at the end. So uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. Uh, interact with us there. I think Bill is back from Florida this weekend. Uh, I talked a little bit with him today. Um, he said he is thoroughly enjoying his vacation and realizes that he probably went at the right time. So I'm a little jealous of that. Good for Bill. Um, and so then Bill will be back next week for some more fun hockey talk. And make sure you rate, share, uh, comment on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you can hear a podcast, we're probably going to be there. So make sure you do that. Really appreciate it. And also make sure you're following us. Um, you're following, I guess, our parent site in a way, Dive with the Blade on Twitter, and checking out the excellent content there that Anthony and I both write for that site. And then, of course, make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter if you don't at Sandra Sports. 
Uh, if you don't, I feel like you are missing out on some good hockey stuff there. So make sure you check out Anthony. Make sure you're following him on Twitter because he's a good follow, and sometimes he knows what he's talking about. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't <laughs> talk about um, so that is pretty much it for this week. It's kind of getting depressing around here again, but you know it is what it is, Anthony. Right? What are you gonna do? I don't know. I guess we'll hit more mock drafts. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's a good answer. Way to end it. So uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bill will be back. Thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully enjoy the rest of the games this week. I don't know. I got nothing for you. Talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs>